1: What's up, everybody? It's Zane Afi with Al Sacco with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone Know How to Podcast. And Al, it's training camp week. It's officially started. We're in full swing. Got a few practices under our belt. Nine days out from the first game as of the recording of this show. And I'm pumped and I want, like, we hear little bits of information coming out here and there. I see little video clips of guys running drills and Al, I just, I want more.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I couldn't wait for training camp to start. I couldn't wait for it to start and then it comes and I'm excited for a couple of days and now I'm already over and I want games. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, I want to see this team on the field and yeah, it's, it's cool to hear, see the snippets and, and hear what's going on, but I just, I want to see how this team does in between the lines on Sundays and even the preseason games. I'm so interested just to see how certain players do when the young guys and obviously knock on wood, we got to keep everybody healthy, but it is football season, like you said, and it is exciting and, and it's going to be a good ride.
1: Yeah. It, the, every day we hear about certain players performing really well. Like obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, it's it's all Jimmy all the time. Let's be honest, right? That's what people mm-hmm. want to hear about. And we'll talk about Jimmy uh, in, in the, in the upcoming uh, minutes of our show here, but there are other guys that I want to, I want to hear about too. I want to hear about the rookies, Dante Pettis, Richie James, Julian Taylor, and some guys coming back from last year for their second year, Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne. And there's so much talent on this team compared to last year. And it just feels different. It feels like a more special team this year. They seem like a much closer group. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how far these guys get. The expectations are, I wouldn't say they're sky high, but they're definitely higher than they were before last year because there were, there were no expectations.
2: They are high. And I, I'd like to think that most fans have at least a realistic view of this team. I don't think anyone believes the Niners are going 14-2. and two. They're borderline playoff team kind of mm-hmm. what they are so we'll see how it progresses this year and we'll see what happens with training camp and we're really excited today to be able to talk to our guest who has a first hand view of training camp the one and only cam inman
1: and joining us again from the bay area news group he specialized in the 49ers since the year 2000 he is the one and only cam inman cam how's it going man
0: we are in camp mode fellas it is uh we don't know what day it is we know that the temperature is nice. There's a South Bay breeze coming in, and the fog burned <laughs> off by the time the Niners usually are on the field. And uh, next thing you know, there's going to be exhibition games, and then there's going to be regular season, and then there's going to be playoffs.
1: Now, are they giving you food and water over there? or are you guys just bacon in the
0: sun in Santa Clara. It, it's honestly, it's not. It's not hot at all. It's, it's <laughs> the, the temperatures are so perfect, it's crazy. You know, it's the, the temps are usually in about the I don't know high seventies. Uh, they do feed us and give us water. Uh, in fact, there's lots of soda, although <laughs> the Niner's Cafeteria no longer has soda, I discovered, this this uh, training camp. But they, they certainly stock the media room with a lot of soda. And I'd like to think that we're one of the healthier beat groups in the NFL. And there's uh-huh. a lot of, uh, not necessarily, there's only like two types of diet soda. There's a ton of just sugar-free or sugar-filled sodas that somehow are getting drank by, I think, the out-of-towners that come in to uh, interview Jimmy G. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's that Silicon Valley, West Coast, Bay Area lifestyle, right? I mean, all holistic, healthy, organic, right? So you guys, in a, in a marathon or a, or a you know Spartan race or whatever, I think you guys over any other media
0: group. Well, I'll give you one example of that real quick since we have time is, um, okay, I think this must have been about 12 years or so, maybe before that. I think it was yeah, it was about 12 years ago, maybe 14. Anyhow, the Niners were playing in uh, New England, and it was the last regular season game. It might have been the last regular season game of the Dennis Erickson era, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the game was on January 2nd. Okay, so you can go back in the archives. And we got into Boston a couple of days early, as we usually would, when the papers had more money to send us back there for more than just one night. And the uh, so we wake up on New Year's Day, and Mayoko and I... Roger Phillips and Dan Brown drove about an hour north of Boston and ran in a race. And, like, I think Mayoka and I did the 10K and Roger and Dan did five. And then you jump in the Atlantic, get a little polar bear plunge. And then we hopped in the car, drove up to Maine, like an hour and a half up the road, had lobster. So, anyhow, we get to this um, lobster joint up in Maine. And I'm in the parking lot and I get a call back from a guy that I've been wanting to interview. And it's Scott Pioli, who at the time was the Patriots personnel. Uh, director right mm-hmm. and so i was doing a story on how the niners were going to try to mimic the Patriots' success or they should by drafting smart players the patriots had had a habit of drafting really smart guys and so Pioli called me back and he's like hey how, you know, how are you enjoying boston so i'm telling him the story i just told you how he ran he ran this race a little place called salisbury beach there's snow on the ground because it's january 1 and the, the atlantic water was just paralyzingly cold anyhow Pioli stops me in, in mid story and he goes wait a minute you guys like four sports riders, ran a race i'm like yeah he goes oh there's no way in hell anybody from the east coast would ever do anything like that <laughs> and i'm like yep that's us so that's not the we, we run races like i i still run on the road but we we usually do a couple runs uh we, we've done some fun ones we, have, we did a, a halloween run once in chicago where we had to dress up in costume and i think Somebody was in charge of it, and they got us all doctors, uh, doctor coats, and we ran, like, 5K in doctor coats.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. That is awesome. Yeah. Hey, Cam, if you have the chance, you should check out uh, – that there's a 5K in Golden Gate Park. Uh, it's, it's like a 5K, 15K. Hot, the hot chocolate run happens every January. I, I did that once, and it was fantastic. Like, they have, like, hot chocolate stations for you, and they give you chocolate chips on the way instead of, like, water. It's, it's, it's very gluttonous. It's awesome.
0: Well, well there, the, one, two things. One, the Niners don't play in San Francisco anymore. Uh, so there's no real reason to go there. Uh, two, I, I, in fact, did a, a, a hot chocolate Santa run in Chicago, I think two seasons ago, and it was 32 degrees at, uh, when we started the race and it was so cold and I was running it and I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like a family thing where people just come out with their kids, enjoy a, a hot chocolate and cookies. Well, I wanted to get that thing over with as fast as I could. So I ran by everybody and I wanted to get done. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 something else, man. And, and that
1: hot chocolate with with running, it just doesn't it just doesn't work.
0: Oh, but- I have one more one one more note on that Boston run because it was uh, New Year's it was New Year's Day, right? It was called the Hangover Classic, and this was the only race I've ever run. <laughs> halfway through the race, they offered you beer or water, and what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how often do you get offered a beer halfway through like a ten k? So, yeah, uh, it was that. it was very bizarre. And got a beer, and it was like in a solo cup out of the uh, tailgate of a red Toyota truck. So it was kind of cool.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. That is awesome. So the very, the very fit Cam Inman joining us. So Cam, no, not see. anymore, but yeah, <laughs> you still, you still get the credit though. Um, okay. so let's, let's start talking about camp here. And I know it's early in camp and the, and the 49ers haven't even played a game yet. The first game as of this recording is in, is in nine days. And there's so many unknowns on this team, which leads to many questions. So, uh, how has, how i mean i gotta ask like how has jimmy garoppolo looked we all want to know we'll just start with that right away
0: well i think there's a lot less unknowns this year than a year ago so now we kind of know what some of these potential uh players are how they fit the scheme what's expected of them since we know what shanahan's brought um as far as garoppolo uh he's been uh i think he's been very good i mean obviously there's a lot of scrutiny on him everybody wants to know about jimmy um in practice he he seems to have gotten progressively better. He's always had the, uh, oh, you know, the leadership, captain qualities. He's very outgoing with his teammates. They all like him. Um, like, even in warm-ups, look at the offensive linemen. will try to start a chant of Jimmy, 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 just to tease him and stuff. And he like, he, like, fired back about something like Staley, Staley to try to, like, change the course. So he has fun with it. The teammates still love him. But uh, in terms of on the field, uh, you know, guys would be wondering at the start of camp whether he has deep ball accuracy because we haven't seen much. We didn't see much of it last year when he played. I uh, haven't seen much of it in practice, but that was kind of the situation last year with with um, with Hoyer too. And then Hoyer kind of hit some deep balls. and Everybody's like, oh, everything's cool. Marquise Goodwin looks awesome, right? And then it didn't really happen in the season. But Jimmy, he's come along in that. I don't think that's necessarily a concern. Um, but one thing that I did notice at practice, and he, it's the way he can throw guys open and just kind of keep plays alive. Uh, A quarterback's got to do that and just kind of do a little improvisational and and know how to read his receivers and trust his receivers because, like, for instance, there's a play where he's rolling right. He can't see where the receiver is. There's there's too much traffic in front of him. He's a two quarterback, so he's not too tall, but he can see enough. And he threw a a pass probably about 20, 25 yards on the boundary, and George Kittle was running right to it. I think he made, like, a one-handed catch and got his feet in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, a, it was a spectacular play, even though it's training camp, nobody's really hitting him, but it's, it's plays like that, that give you the belief that the Niners have their quarterback. Um, a lot of other plays too, that, that do it, but that's just one example. And, uh, all systems go and keep the Jimmy, Jimmy G hype machine going. So I got to ask what,
1: what about the other quarterbacks? Like how has CJ Beathard looked so far?
0: CJ looked up and down. Um, he looks fine, though. Uh, I totally, totally good as a, as your number two quarterback. Uh, no matter what, it, it would be such a drop off between Jimmy and whoever, right? But uh, CJ had so much um, experience and rough experience last year playing for the Forty ers He got he got beat up like a few quarterbacks do and survived, uh, and it, it's made him stronger, more resilient. Uh, he, you know, he has ups and downs. It's it's in uh, and it's you know he's working with the twos usually, so it's not like he's um, throwing to the number one receivers or behind the number one line option. Mm-hmm. And but he at times he'll just throw some. He threw a pass today that was about twenty five yards and just the velocity. I wrote down velocity just because of you know just knowing okay he's he's got a gun. I mean people don't really realize it because they didn't see much of it last year because he was on his back a lot. Um, but I'm I'm I totally like the guy a lot. I think he's he's got a right uh, the right demeanor. He's not arrogant. He's very self-confident. He wants to play ball, and it's exactly what you want in a backup quarterback.
2: Kim, we really liked what Matt Breida brought to the table last season, and obviously the team paid a lot of money to get Jarek McKinnon, and he never in his career has had more than 159 carries Jarek McKinnon. Do you see McKinnon being the bell cow back, or is this going to be a timeshare with Breida? How How do you see these carries getting split up this year?
0: I see it being 70-30 at least, uh, maybe 75-25 just because he's such a valuable asset for what Shanahan wants in a running back with the dual threat ability and he he he's such a great receiver. I, I think he's going to have a monster year guys. I think he he's going to have so much production. I've been saying this and I like I don't want to oversell him. But he as long as he's not fumbling cuz he did have some fumble issues in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um I really like the guy. I mean, he's five foot nine, tough as nails and he wants to prove to everybody that he, 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 earned that paycheck and he didn't have much action in Minnesota because one, he was behind Adrian Peterson and then he was behind Dalvin Cook. He was behind these two really, really good running backs. And it, regardless of how good of a running back he is, Kyle Shanahan is going to use him so well. And the way that he has, Schemes' of offense, I think we all really appreciate that now and know that he, he, gets, he maximizes his talent from guys. And so I get a little carried away when I think about how great McKinnon can be because I'm like, okay, what year was it Roger Craig had the thousand thousand rushing and receiving? That was at 85. And I'm like, there's no way McKinnon can do that yet. I had my curiosity going that he's such a dual threat. And if, if Shanahan relies on that that much, and they don't really have a, a major receiver that they got to constantly feed, then McKinnon's going to get a lot of action. And, and one more thing, and, and that's no offense to Breida, because I love Breida. I, I love the way he conducts himself. He's always been like a really classy pro ever since he came in last year. But um, even when like last year's OTAs or spring workouts, I'm like, this, guy, this guy's this guy got something. And by training camp, I'm like, he's going to make the team. He, he's so fast, and he's got his head on straight. Um, and Joe Williams didn't. And that's why you saw Breida uh, took the spot last year. So now it's a question of, is Joe Williams going to be able to push burrito for number two. I don't think that's the case yet. I don't think they trust him enough yet, but that's kind of what the exhibition games are for too.
1: Now, do you see Joe Williams possibly getting
0: cut after obviously being drafted last year? <clears throat> if he does, it's only because he just dogs it the next couple of weeks. He's had a really good camp. He's um, made the most of his opportunities. I would say he, he did fumble i think once a couple of days ago and you can't be doing that um but he's so quick guys and if he if he just if he looks like he's hustling and is, is in tune then okay all good but i mean in spring i saw him and one po- just at one point in practice and he was kind of walking back to the huddle and i'm like you can't do that like mm-hmm. you're on you're on red alert right now where everything you're doing body language wise they're watching you it's not just running And, um, I don't know what goes on in the classroom, so I I can't comment on that. But like, when I saw him on the practice field and you got to hustle better. I think that like, he's gotten that message now from not me, but from coaches. And it looks like he's coming to camp with the mindset that I got something to prove and I want to be here, which is great.
1: Now, another area where the 49ers are deep is that wide receiver. They don't really have a number one, but they've got a lot of solid pieces there. What, who from that group has stood out and how are the rookies Pettis and Richie James doing so far?
0: Well, I think, I think Mar- Marquise Goodwin is the number one now. And I think the NFL is going to realize that because he showed enough versatility last year without, with Gar, when Garcon went down where he can run these other routes. And Garoppolo trusts him more than any other receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I'm as high on Marquise Goodwin as possible. Uh, just a really, he's a really genuinely nice guy from, from all our interactions with him, the way he is on the field with his teammates. Just really likable character. Um, and you know, so Dante Pettis enters the enters the fray now. And where is he going to fit? Because this guy is super talented, second round pick. So obviously they they wanted to upgrade the receiving core, and he's going to be a great returner in special teams. But I'm I'm trying to figure out well, whose spot will he eventually take? And my answer is Pierre Garcon's. I, I don't I don't know if it's this year. I doubt it. Um, outside possibility of it. But he's not going to necessarily take over Trent Taylor's spot at slot. I mean, he could, yeah. and Trent hasn't been fully practicing yet because of the back issue. Um, but Pettis at some point is going to become a starting wide receiver because he looks so talented. And Garcon's going to be 32 years old, and he's one of the oldest receivers in the league. He's, uh was very needed for that role last year to kind of provide veteran stability to a brand-new receiving core. Um, physical guy, can move the sticks in the short me- middle – um kind of passes that garoppolo excels at, so he still could have a, a, a really big productive year um he just has never played with garoppolo yet in a game so it's kind of a little bit of an unknown and um you know some of the other receivers are, i'm just not sure about I, I know a lot of people like are hyping up kendrick Bourne. i just i don't know that yet um i think he has to grow a lot still as a receiver and just show some more maturity that that, that he gets it not saying he's he's been bad but he's he hasn't got as many opportunities of late. He, they, the Niners have been using him a lot in red zone and practices as they should because you figured the 6'3 guy is like the tallest wide receiver target you got, so let's see what he can do. Um, and he's been okay. He's had, he's had some mixed practices here and there. Uh, and then some of the other undrafted guys, they're, they're fine, but nothing, nothing jumps out at me as much as like the four. You kind of, I think we kind of know the four or five or six guys. Aaron Burbridge. I really like a lot. I think he still reminds me of Anquan Bolden. You know, when he came in, that was the guy he was compared to when he was drafted, and that he would provide the physical uh, toughness as a receiver. You know, six foot tall guy um, who's excelled and made his mark on special teams. He missed last year with a hammy, but he looks he looks pretty good. He had a drop in practice today, and then two snaps later, came back, made a catch, and just didn't give up. And he he weaved through so much, so many guys on defense where exactly what you want to see in training camp being able to bounce back uh from a mistake and show that you you want it and and he did it
1: i want to circle back to dante pettis for a second uh in the video clips that we see on social media twitter and and all this stuff he unguardable in one-on-one situations how's he fared in the team drills
0: uh pretty good they've thrown at him a lot so um he, uh, he, well, he, he's, he's good guys. He, he is good. He, they use him mostly on the outside, not as much in the slot. So that's why I like, it kind of seems like he's playing Garcon's position. Um, and I, he's, he's just performing really well. He, 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 he had a great, like, um, I think it was mini camps or whatever. And he had a great, uh, great day and then they held him out the next day. Uh, I like him a lot. I, he is a very different kind of guy. Uh, he's out there with blue hair, he's dyed his hair blue. Uh, he has a Jimmy Garoppolo, describes it as a wiggle, which makes him different when he comes off the line and kind of freaks out some DB. So, uh, it's kind of, he's going to be neat to watch. It's, it's a cool story because his dad was a center field gold glove center fielder with the angels for years. And, uh, you can tell he's got, uh, some great athleticism in his jeans.
2: Yeah. Kyle Shanahan guy might know what he's doing on offense, huh? He might know yeah, what he's looking okay. for
0: yeah exactly i mean isn't that me i mean it's like a year ago we weren't exactly sure what you're getting with shanahan other than everybody says he's a offensive mastermind but he's going to be arrogant and cocky and uh kyle has been a great great coach to deal with and i've been dealing with a lot of coaches over the last 19 years uh gotta be one of my favorites just the way he what i want in a coach is a guy that communicates and instructs and wants to teach and, and explain things and Uh, Kyle does that not only with us but players and I think that's why players really appreciate it besides the fact that he's very direct um, and he will tell you if you're messing up not me and story-wise because maybe he does because he he made a shot at uh, reporters for keeping stats in training camp but that's totally fine Um, there's still an appetite people want to know how bad or good Jimmy was so I keep the stats even though they're unofficial and um, there's leeway whether a guy would have been sacked or not but um, I really like him I, I think it's uh and the fact that the team didn't give up on him when they were 0-9 last year, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he and John Lynch have this great harmonious relationship that, that you need to succeed in the NFL. Now, looking
2: at the O-line, all eyes have been on rookie right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, and rightfully so, when we're looking at the guard competition. But I almost feel like Weston Richburg's gone over the, under the radar a little bit. We haven't heard too much about him, and he, he's making so much money, and he's going to be such a huge part of this offense. What's been the early returns on him so far?
0: Well, exactly right. I mean, you don't want to hear from about your center right now in training camp, do you? You don't want to hear about botched snaps or missed assignments on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, everything right now is checking out good. You know, Coach coaches said the right things about how he's doing well. Um, he's basically, you know, he's an upgrade in the power department in the run game. That's what he's supposed to be, right? So that's what we're going to see, actually, once we get into games. I don't know how much we're going to see um, in the exhibition, like what you can tell by that, but Everything looks good, and, and you know I don't want to sell this short because that's a big change from Kilgore to him. Because Kilgore was a very popular veteran; uh, he won the Bob McKittrick Award. Um, Garoppolo liked him a lot, so that's why I was really hesitant on why you want to break that up. But even towards the end of last season, we heard that Richburg was a guy that Shanahan liked and would be targeting. And uh, sure enough, he went out and got him, and then they traded Dan right away. What about Richard?
2: Sherman. Does he look like Richard Sherman? Is he all the way back? Is he still working his way back? What are you seeing there?
0: he's not back yet, but we're only a week in the camp, so um, I think it's encouraging that he's at camp, right? There was a question whether he'd be medically cleared at this time, and he is he's out there performing. I think that uh, initial clip of him getting beat by Marquise Goodwin was great because it showed that, one, he, he, he wanted the, the, the biggest challenge right out of the gate. And two, he didn't give up on the play. And since then, he's responded really well, especially in team girls. He's been covering guys and kind of uh, takes it very seriously. He's, he's, he's a wonderful football player, guys. I mean, he's not only very smart, he, he, he knows his craft. He wants to perfect it. And uh, just very admirable the way he's gone about it. Can you imagine just a year ago talking so highly of Richard Sherman uh, when he was? Uh, he may have been one of the all-time hated rivals in 49ers history.
1: Now we know about Robert Sala and how he's going to be relying on uh, Cassius Marsh and Jeremiah Tauchew to get pressure off the edge, but are there any other names that we should be watching like Peter Tom and or Ronald Blair?
0: Uh, You can watch them, but I don't think you're going to see greatness out of either (laughs) one. Um, The one I want to watch more than anybody is DeForest Buckner. And the guy, ever since I saw saw him the first time on the field a couple years ago, I said, this guy's going to be an all pro. Just how he goes about his doing this, how he looks, how how he doesn't take plays off. And uh, very big and powerful, right? Kind of what you thought you were getting in Eric Armstead. You're getting into Forrest Buckner. And <clears throat> what I've been hesitant about is how they're, they they keep saying, you know, he's going to be on the inside, right? He's going to be a force on the inside. We're going to use our pass rushers to funnel the quarterback uh, back up, up the middle towards Buckner. Well, that doesn't always work if you don't have good edge rushers to push the pocket, right? So... Uh, and what we've kind of seen recently, and I don't think this is necessarily giving away scheme, because I asked the coaches about it, so they're on the record. Is you know when they go to a dime package with six DBs out there, and they got three down linemen, well, the force Buckner's on the edge, and I love it because uh, he he is a force, and mm-hmm. he doesn't need those games necessarily to get open. I think we all were wondering, well, okay, so he might be the one that takes over that Justin Smith role from years ago, right? Where he mm-hmm. can set up a pass rusher next to him and kind of occupy two blockers. That still may be the case. Um, but I really like the fact that if they use him on the edge, he's going to be awesome. And then, then you can put Solomon Thomas in the middle where that's where Solomon belongs, even though they want to try him out at Leo, uh, to kind of get going on their base, which I, I just don't know if that's going to work. I, I think he's, he's best utilized as an interior pass rusher, uh, interior run stopper. And, and, you know, in his defense, he's actually looked pretty good in camp too. Uh, Mm -hmm. he's gotten pressure more than I've, uh, remember seeing last year in camp.
1: I've been seeing that same thing about Solomon Thomas ever since he got drafted. As soon as they put him out there at Leo, I'm like, he's miscast out there. Like he played, he said himself, he played about 90% of his snaps inside at Stanford. And if you put him next to Buckner, I really feel they could have something there.
0: Well, the coaches, I mean, the coaches said that last year too, they repeatedly said his best spot is in on the interior um it's almost like they have to try something on the edge to see if there's anything there with them because i as much as they kind of like and are hoping that jeremiah tattoo and Cassius marsh can be you know quality pass rushers it's not like an every down threat like alden smith was right and there's not many of those and that's why oh so you, you take chances and see what you can do to mix it up a little bit and yeah they 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 had to bring in Elvis Doomerville last year because they didn't have anybody that did it. And you know, Elvis did ad- admirable, but uh what is Elvis was like 33, 34 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was still getting more production out than these young guys.
1: Couple more for you, Cam. I gotta ask about Eric Armstead. He's hurt again and he's got issues obviously staying on the field. He's missed about half his games that he's that he's been eligible to play the last couple of years uh guys like julian taylor uh, are stepping up now what's is is eric armstead in danger of being cut
0: uh well not while he's hurt because if he is then he's eligible for that nine million dollars uh and his fifth year option so they're not going to cut him Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's a hamstring issue and it's not something that that they're dismissing as being precautious it's uh sounds like a significant hamstring injury and i remember a year ago that was jimmy wards right at the start of camp remember and Ward mm-hmm. was out the throughout camp, and I believe he missed at least the first, maybe at least the first game, yeah, because of that hammy. So, and as as I'm not a fit person anymore because I hurt my hamstrings back in February, and it took me a good two months before I could get running again in full speed. And so, mm-hmm. it, it is a and it's a big concern because the guy has an injury history, and you know he had hurt his shoulder two years ago, missed the final eight games fractured his hand last year in this 10 and it is such a risk to be paying him so much money when you're you're still just kind of baking this off of promise i mean he yep. he does have some good plays but not consistently and you keep thinking well this is the year he's got to be consistent and show it It's make or break right well uh, he's pausing again kim
2: one last question after all the off-season drama how has reuben foster handled himself on and off the
0: field Uh, I want to say great. Uh, I just, we don't know these guys. We don't see them more than an hour on the field or two hours on the field. Right. So I don't know exactly how well, how well his life is getting along. Um, you worry about that because he came into the league with questions and then there were a lot of issues. Um, but I think that this whole episode of the off season scared him a lot, humbled him um, made him appreciate his role in the NFL. He doesn't come across like I knew I was going to, you know, get off cause I'm entitled. I'm a superstar. I don't get that vibe at all from him, uh, on the field. He looks so happy to be out there playing. Uh, he's obviously very talented. He he's, uh, he's working more on his technique and, and kind of using his hands. Although he's also, you know, the, it's these shoulder tackles are what the NFL wants. You can't leave with your helmet, right? And especially that's a new emphasis this year. So I see him working on that, but the guy he he can pack a punch with those shoulders. And I know at the end of last season there were shoulder stingers with him, but there were also at the start of the, like rookie or his rookie training camp and at the start of the rookie year he had ankle issues, right? And there's this concern with Ruben that I think everybody remembers from last season, where almost once a game he goes down with a nick, and he you get you. You get worried that, oh, this could be something, right? And, like, yesterday in camp, he, he uh, was doing pass protection against Kyle Juszczyk, and he did a spin move, and I think his quad went right into Kyle's knee, and got basically a charley horse. And so, like, he went down, and the trainer came over, checked him out briefly, but he stayed in the practice. So that was a positive sign, but just all the flashbacks from last year with the injuries, that, that's the other thing that you just worry about. Ruben plays so reckless and just so passionate uh, that he's got to protect his body a little better.
2: Cam, we really appreciate the time. Good luck this season and keep up the great work, my friend.
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Always good talking to you.
2: Thanks, Cam. Thanks again to Cam. Zane, you know, one thing that I kind of have to pinch myself with is I remember like all the years I've been a Niners fan and, and, you know, once, you know, the internet really came up when you could read guys like Mayoko and, and Barrows and Cam Inman and, and just all those guys. I used to like, I couldn't wait for like a mailbag. You know what I mean? Or when they, when they would do like a question and answer and you could do, you send in your question, that sort of thing. I would sit and read it at work or whatever. Now to be able to just to call these guys (laughs) or have them call us. And we're just like, oh, all right, these, what questions do you want to ask them? We'll just ask them like these, these 10, 15 questions to be able to just sit and ask that to cam or or the mats or any of the guys that we have on any of the Mm -hmm. wonderful guests. It's just, I don't know, man, it's, it's awesome. I'm just, I'm just thankful for that. It's always kind of a pinch myself moment. It never gets old.
1: It really we never gets old. It really we've been, does it now. Yeah. We've been, we've been doing this for about a year and a half now. And I still can't believe it. I'm like, man, like some of the personalities that we talked to and we had Ted Robinson on earlier and he's the voice of the Niners and it's, it's great. And we get, we get so much respect from them as well. Like there's, there's such consummate pros at what they do. And it's, it's so much fun to talk to them on that level because um, for me, I respect the hell out of all of them. Right. Yeah. I respect them so much. I respect their knowledge and their, their experience. And, and hopefully we can get to that point one day too. But you know, it's just it's just so much fun, and and right now we're talking about training camp, and really like, uh, you know, you heard camp stories, and and how you really don't see the, these things happen as as like the general public because you you really have to see what's going on behind the scenes, and to to talk to these guys that are actually there every day, and in the the atmosphere and in the environment, it really kind of paints paints like a full a full picture for us. And I do want to say to
2: the fans out there every single person that we've had on our show and you can go through and look at our guest list. These are all really nice people. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like a show where they come on and you, you know, they're not nice before they come on. And then you start recording and they change the change personality, these people are all like this off air too. Mm-hmm. They're just nice. And and we chat on and off air and they, they just could not be nicer and they could not be more accommodating. So the fans definitely should know that like the people covering the team, the players, the, there are a lot of good dudes here, you know, a lot of good people doing this and that's, Anytime, you know, you follow somebody or watch somebody on TV or or follow a team or whatever it is, it's, it's always good to know that these, these guys are really good people. So fans definitely know that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like I've been in contact, like personally with some of these people, like meeting them through the open practices and everything. And every time I talk to them, like they're, they're just so welcoming and they've kind of welcomed us into like the, the media community. And it's, it's just, it's kind of like one big family, which, which, you know, going into this, I didn't really expect. But um, because I didn't know what to expect, but mm-hmm. everybody's been so, so, so accommodating to us. So I think I think that's it's just a great thing. Even with the other podcasts,
2: like if, if you just look at the other, you know, Dylan D. Simone's podcast now, the fourth the and nine podcasts are locked on 49ers, mm-hmm. you know, Rondo sports or nothing but Niners or you know, there's 49ers hub. Uh, there's Niners radio. I don't want to forget anybody. You know, all, all those other Niner podcasts, uh, better rivals. Everybody's so supportive of everyone else. You know what I mean? There's no competition. Everybody kind of retweets the tweets, hooks each other up. You know, it's just, it, it is, it's, it's like a nice community almost with the people that cover the Niners whether it's on a higher level or smaller time whatever it is it really is everybody looks out for each other and kind of helps everybody else out so it really is man 49ers fans have it good because they have a lot of good good smart people covering this team
1: and 49ers fans have it really good because they got a quarterback and they got what looks like an up-and-coming team maybe not this year but you know next come next year and then the following years I would definitely say this is a contending team and it starts right there at quarterback, Al. Like we, it was the first question we asked Cam, and you know that's what everybody wants to talk about. So why not start with, with what everybody wants to hear? Yeah, and and
2: Jimmy's looked good in in the practices. You know he's he's been accurate. He had some issues with deep balls in the first couple of practices, and, and that was the thing from last year too. Garoppolo was four for sixteen on passes that traveled twenty yards or more. So that was something. And about small sample size, something that he would have to work on, and he's been a lot better at that recently. And look, you know, even if there's things that he does struggle with, Kyle Shanahan's gonna scheme him to not struggle. You know, he's gonna put him in a position to succeed. Mm -hmm. So it's it is really exciting. And just to have that franchise quarterback, he's the guy, and we talked about it last show, how much better the Niners were, just that huge difference that they were when he was in there. And yeah, to have him in there, and one one thing I thought was was pretty great, I was looking at the games that he started last year, the way he spreads the ball around is unbelievable now in his five starts first start eight different receivers caught the ball second start eight different receivers third start eight different receivers fourth start nine different receivers in the last game of the year against the rams his fifth start 10 different receivers caught the football that's pretty amazing everybody's touching the ball it's the number one receiver is the open guy Last season, five different receivers had 60-plus targets for the Niners. Goodwin had led the team with 105, Hyde had 88, Garcon had 67, Kittle had 63, Taylor had 60. So you're going to see that going into this year, too, with this quarterback, is everybody's going to touch the ball. Now, I do agree with Cam that I think Marquise Goodwin is going to be the de facto number one guy. And when he was with Garoppolo last year... Um, He averaged 5.8 receptions and 76.8 yards in the five games and over a season, over 16 game season, that would amount to 93 catches and and 1,229 yards. And I know people say, well, Garcon's there, but I do. I agree with Cam. I I think Goodwin is the guy now. I do. I think he has that rapport with Garoppolo and you're going to see him as Garoppolo's number one receiver. And again, I I think they're going to spread the ball. So I'm not saying Goodwin's going to have a 100-catch season, but he could lead the team with, you know, 70-ish catches. I,
1: I could definitely see that. Yeah, and a couple of days ago, Jimmy Garoppolo was 14 of 16 in team drills with a couple of touchdowns, and he did throw a pick six to Col- Adrian Colbert, but I, that's what I want to see. I want to see the defense winning, too, in training camp. But he's as, as the practices are, are progressing, he's getting sharper, and that's what I want to see. As he gets his feet more wet into the, and, 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 and deeper into the playbook, he gets better. And Dante Pettis was actually on the radio here locally today. And he was talking about playing with Jimmy Garoppolo and like seeing a quarterback of that level. Like you look at him and you know, he's the next level guy. You know that he is despite what ESPN said with the second tier and all that crap, you know that Jimmy Garoppolo is a legitimate NFL quarterback and that he has a chance to be elite just by the way that he directs guys, by the way he's able to read a defense, his intangibles, his mechanics, like everything about him screams superstar quarterback. And I just hope that he can realize that potential. Now, when it comes to the receivers, there were, I believe there were six guys last year that had over 30 catches. Carlos Hyde, Marquise Goodwin, George Kittle, Trent Taylor, Pierre Garcon, Kyle Juszczyk. They all had more than 30 catches last year. So they like to spread the ball around. And what you're saying is absolutely true. There will be no true number one receiver. It's going to be the guy that's open. It's going to be the guy that basically Jimmy can find, can throw open, like Cam said. And I think that bodes well for the offense because you're not necessarily force feeding one guy the ball. Like when you look at teams that have one really dominant receiver and a bunch of guys that are just like, you know, third, fourth tier guys, they're usually force feeding that one receiver, the ball. And it causes, you know, it causes interceptions and it causes the offense to get out of rhythm because of incompletions. Like I want this offense humming. I want them moving the chains. I want them putting points on the board. I want the ball spread around. I don't want just one guy like Jimmy Garoppolo locking in the one guy which is something that early in his career, Alex Smith did and Colin Kaepernick did, and it killed them in the end, right? Like it, it prevented them from mm-hmm. being successful. And I think that, and, and for the record, Alex Smith, when he, when he became successful, he spread the ball around. But when it comes to the, the 49ers receivers, they've got a lot of underrated talent there. They've got a lot of guys that can get open. Like man, Dante Pettis, I asked the question about Pettis because every time I see the guy videos of him, he's, He's beating whoever's in front of him. It doesn't matter. The guy's an absolute route technician. And when you have those guys that can get open in short spaces, it helps a quarterback even more because we'll get to this later. The offensive line is still kind of shaky. So you have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands as soon as possible. So I think all of this ties into what they have in the personnel and the, in the, the whole scheme, but you know, it all starts with Jimmy and they've got to keep him upright. And I think that if he can stay healthy, he has a chance to put some really prolific numbers up with receivers that aren't necessarily household names.
2: One of the I want to say about Garoppolo, uh, Zane and I were lucky enough to receive an advanced copy of Mike Lombardi's book, Gridiron Genius. Mm-hmm. And that book's going to be out in September and, and we're going to do more on that book. And even ho- hopefully we can get Mike on the show. It'd be great to have him on to talk about it. Um, but for those who don't know who Mike Lombardi is, he worked with Bill Walsh for a few years in the eighties um, he worked with Dale Davis. He worked with, for Bill Belichick for a long time. He was the ma- general manager of the Cleveland Browns for a couple years. And in this book, the things that he says about Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I mean, I was floored when I read it because he and Belichick knew this guy was going to be a star. Mm-hmm. The things, and we can't quote the book yet, and, and I will do that once the book comes out. Um, but the things that he says about Garoppolo in this book, unbelievable. They, they knew this kid had it. When he, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And when I was reading that, because I, I was reading the book, it's a fantastic book, and I didn't expect anything about Gra- Garoppolo to really be in there, or, or maybe just like something in passing, but there's a few things about him in there. About They talk about what they thought of him when, as they drafted him and met with him and saw him play, and, and they were like, whoa, he has it. Bill yeah. Belichick gifted the 49ers a franchise quarterback. I don't mm-hmm. know why he did it. I don't know what the reasons were. I don't know if he was he was pissed at at, at Brady and in Kraft. I don't know if he just wanted to do right by the kid and, and he knew Tom wasn't going anywhere. I don't know. But Bill Belichick gifted the 49ers a quarterback. This isn't a Ryan Mallet situation or a Brian Horner situation or some of those other guys, Matt Castle, um, or just somebody else that you know the Niners overpaid to get somebody's backup QB type thing. They got gifted a franchise quarterback here. So everybody listening to the show knows I despise the Patriots. But it <laughs> might be a little bit harder to hate them now, considering what he did. And, and, and again, looking at the Shanahan-Lynch thing, if the 49ers don't have these two guys in place, they're not getting this quarterback.
1: Mm-mm.
2: The reason why they got Jimmy Grapple from Belichick is because Belichick respects John Lynch. He respects Kyle Shanahan, and he knew they were going to do right by him by Garoppolo. He knew that that Garoppolo was going to a good situation because he thinks so highly of Garoppolo. He wanted to put him in a good spot, (laughs) you know, in, in, in the other conference, but he wanted to put him in a good spot and and he did that. So again, Niner fans just really appreciate what you have right now. It's been a long time coming. You haven't had a quarter. I don't think, and I'm not saying he's going to be Steve Unger, Joe Montana, because it's unfair. But the last real Pro Bowl quarterback this team had was Jeff Garcia, and I think is going to be better than Garcia. So I think you're about to see a really good run of quarterback play coming up here. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely appreciate that. But one thing I want to mention quick, and we, you know, we talk about the receivers and Marcus Goodwin and everything like that. I was looking at the, the roster a couple years ago in 2016. The receiving group was so bad. All right, 2016, their top five receivers, okay, in receptions. Corey Smith. Quentin Patton, Jeremy Curley, Rod Streeter, Chris Harper. It was like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And now we're yeah. looking at Goodwin, Garcon, Taylor, Pettis, Bourne. And then three guys we don't even know if we're going to make team. Richie James, Aaron Burbridge. Burbridge was also on the team in 2016, but you know, he didn't really play much. Um, and Altrick Robinson. What they've done with this receiving group is amazing. It's amazing mm-hmm. what they've done in just a year and a half. And, and again, there, there may not be that star guy on there. There's a lot of guys who can
1: play here. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. Like I want to, I want to address like several things there that you said that the Mike yeah, Lombardi I book, dude. Yeah. No, 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 I, I think, <laughs> I think it's great. I think, I mean, you're, you're pretty much right on, on, on the same page as me. Like the Mike Lombardi book. Fantastic. Like I I'm looking through that and I'm like, I got to talk to Al about this. Like there's so some good. things. It's like, so good. The Bill yeah. Walsh
2: stuff. And again, we'll get into it. It's amazing. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can't wait to do that. The show when we act, we can actually, the book actually releases. We can actually do the show Uh, talking about it. It's going to be a good one. Um, and just regarding the quarterback position, just to, just to finish up on that, this feels like a Steve Young story. Like this feels exactly like how it was when Steve Young was sitting behind Joe Montana. Like people don't remember how badly Steve Young wanted to play. Like he was out in the media. He was telling everybody that he wanted to play and he could get the job done. And in the end he did. And in the end he became a hall of fame quarterback, but I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo will, will, follow that same trajectory, but I'm saying that this has is eerily similar to that same, same situation. What did we hear from Jimmy Garoppolo last week? He said that he felt like he could compete with Tom Brady. He felt like he could, he was right up there with him. What does Steve Young say playing with Joe Montana? He said the same thing. In fact, mm-hmm. like if you go and watch their old America's games of, I believe 88 and 89, Steve Young is in those quoted on video saying this, like he's on camera saying this. So, this whole situation with getting Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it sometimes these things require luck. Like if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers never traded Steve young to the Niners, they would never have had Steve young. So Mm -hmm. I think that this is another one of those situations where they just got very, very fortunate that there was a team that needed to unload a quarterback desperately to keep their superstar happy. And the 49ers are the beneficiaries of that. And I really think that this is going to be one of those like franchise altering transactions, much like the the packers getting aaron Rodgers falling to them was and i think that if the they can keep jimmy garoppolo healthy and if they can keep surrounding him with with better parts like you said you mentioned the names like this is not like the dennis erickson 49ers this is not like the early 2000s 49ers where Arnez battles, cedric wilson and jason mcadley were were and and tony bryant were running around like these jason, jason, jason mcadley that's the name that, that's <laughs> Jason mcadley That's, that's an obscure name for it. That happened. And that happened too. Yeah, that did. Yep. Yep. That did happen. And this group is, is not a superstar group, but this group is much better than, than what we've seen in the past. So all of the pundits saying that the 49ers have the, a bottom ranked receiving core and all these people like on ESPN saying, well, the receive, they don't have a number one. It doesn't matter because you don't need a number one when you have a good quarterback because he'll find the, the guy that's open. And you rely on guys to win their one-on-one matchups, and you find the mismatch. So, I think that that they have enough. Like it's not like like I said the early 2000s where they had like bottom of the roster guys starting at receiver. No, these guys can can play on any team in the league. Like any team in the league would be happy to have Marquise Goodwin or Pierre Garcon or Trent Taylor in the slot. And just watch at the end of this year, we'll we'll be talking about about Dante Pettis as the next breakout receiver he has that type of potential. So I think that they've set themselves up really nicely. They've got an heir apparent for Pierre Garcon and Pettis. They've got a slot guy in Goodwin. They've got, they've committed to, uh, sorry, they've got a slot guy in Taylor. They've committed to Goodwin for another three years. I think that they're, that they're set up. Their window is opening. It's just starting to open. And they realize that. All right. The 2005 49ers ready. Cause,
2: cause this is hilarious to me now. Rashid Marshall, Brandon Lloyd, Arnaz Battle, Johnny Morton, Jason McAdley, Billy Bajima. He was a tight end, right? Yeah. And yep. then um, the quarterbacks that year, it was okay. Smith in his rookie season, he was awful that year. Tim Rattay, Ken Dorsey, Cody Pickett, they went 204 for 389, 52% completion percentage, 2,190 yards passing in a season. I don't know if that's possible. Eight touchdown passes, 21 interceptions. We had to live through that. That team's, mm-hmm. dude, that team somehow won four games. Mm-hmm. That may have been
1: yeah. the worst offense in the history of football. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And like 49ers fans, that's, that's, that's what you're coming from. Like what you see in front of you now is so much better than what you've seen in the past. So for the people that are kind of worried, if there's not enough talent on this team, there is enough talent. And specifically the coaching staff, like you mentioned, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan and, and, and the the front office of John Lynch, like these guys, like players want to play for them. Like you look at the, the off field interactions between these team, between the, the teammates on this team. And it's a completely different vibe. Like they seem like a close knit group of guys. Like they care, they care, they generally care about each other. It's not a team of like guys that are just like, you know, one-offs and they just go home and do their own thing. These guys care about each other. And the, usually the teams like you can't, you know, obviously you have to go on the, on the field and, and produce on the field, but the teams that care about each other, they're usually the teams that are most successful. And what you're seeing right now is a culture shift. And Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of thrown into the middle of this whole tornado that has happened since Trent Balky left. There're only 16 players on the roster that played when Trent Balky was here. They've literally flipped almost the entire roster in 2 years. So, what you're seeing right now is is hopefully the beginning of something really really special and I and I really think it is. And you get guys like on on the defensive side of the ball like Richard Sherman, like they they want to come here. And you know, I can't remember uh, outside of the Harbaugh years any time like that where the 49ers had a team past the year 2003 that people wanted to come to.
2: And that was a great point you made about the locker room, too. This is a tight-knit group. This is a group that looks like they're going to play for each other. And, and, yeah, you can't underrate that. You really can't. It's not a team that's going to separate. They weren't separated. There was no infighting last year when they were, you know, 0-9 or whatever it was. And they're a tight-knit group. You know, they probably built off that. So, yeah, that's, that's really important, too. That was a good call by you. Um, one other thing I want to talk about, Zane, was the injuries that we've seen so far. And, again, knock on wood, there's not going to be... Any huge ones. They happen every year in the NFL to every team, but, you know, knock on wood, we don't hear any big ones soon. But there have been a few that have happened. And the one that we talked about with Cam was the Eric Armstead injury. And this is just like, you know, you hear this and you're like, here we go.
0: And I know it's
2: just a hamstring. And you can say, oh, he's back on the field in a few weeks, but it's not just a hamstring. You know, it was a shoulder and it was a broken wrist. And it mm-hmm. was the guy can't stay on the field. He's missed 18 in his last 32 games. And it gets to the point and can't mention this too. Like, you hear about this potential, this potential, but if the guy can't stay on the field and listen, I, I, I actually think Armstead's a better player than he gets credit for. I, I do. He's good against the run and he does get pressures. He doesn't get to the quarterback, but he does get pressures, mm-hmm. but he's only got six sacks in his career. And you look, uh, I think he had like one and a half sacks one year, um, two and a half sacks another year. You know, he's never had like one really big season with sacks. It's always like a couple here and a couple there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with him, with him, he can't get any momentum. You know, maybe he can end up with six or seven sacks in the season, but he can't stay on the field. If so he plays six games and he's got a sack and a half, he, well, he can't go on a run because he can't stay on the field. And here we go again with this. And all of a sudden now you're seeing Julian Taylor, the seventh-round pick, is getting first-team first reps. So if this guy steps up and the Niners, like him, what do they do? You know, are they going to keep arms set around? And I, I don't think he's going to get caught. But I don't know. I just I wondered when that why they picked up his fifth year option to begin with, and this just looks like just another first round pick that just is never going to pan out. And I hope it does. I hope he can get healthy and I hope he have a nice season. And if he is on the field, he, I I do think he's 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 a good player.
1: But can he stay on the field? I I don't know. I really don't at this point. I think they really just picked up his his option because they just needed camp bodies. Like the the roster was just so poor that they just needed somebody to come in just basically be a traffic cone and play that position. I I really think that's what it was. And they have the the next two years though. Well, I mean like, yeah, I mean that, that could be a misstep as well, but I mean like, I'm not, I'm not too high on Eric Armstead as it, as it is, but I really think that they were probably like, okay, let's see what we can get out of him and, and we can maybe cut him and have a cap hit minimal. Right. So I'm not sure what his, what what the cap hit would be um, after this year. It's 10 million if they come this year, but after, after uh, this year, I'm not sure what it would be, but You know, it's, I'm with you. Like at some point you have to produce, it's, it's not just about potential and talent anymore. It's like, can you get it done on the field? And there are guys, like you said, Julian Taylor stepping up. I'm almost, by the way, I'm almost super cautious about camp guys like that are, that are stepping up. Like, do you remember Marcus Rush? Like he was like a superstar in camp and preseason. And like, you know, the, the Kansas city chiefs ended up signing him eventually. And he kind of just petered out. Like he really didn't do anything. So, uh, Nate Davis was another one. Like Nate, remember the and Nate Davis, Davis experiment? Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. so these guys, like that you see every year, there's one, one guy, one or two guys every year that are just like unstoppable in camp and everybody loves them. Uh, Jared Hain, right. Another one. And yeah. they think that they're really going to contribute and they really don't do anything during the year. So I'm super cautious about that. But the fact that Taylor can come mm-hmm. in as a seventh round pick and a rookie and, and pretty much, almost outperform Eric Armstead because Armstead's not on the field says something. And another guy that's been put on notice for injuries besides Armstead is Josh Garnett. Similar sort of situation. Uh, He's he was a first round former first round pick, can never stay on the field. He was kind of miscast in in his role and now he's in danger of of getting cut. Forget starting like he, he can't get on the field. And Kyle Shanahan put him on notice. He basically said you got you got to start playing man.
2: Yeah, that that doesn't bode well for him. And and I'm Josh Garnett's a great guy. He's a great kid. He really is a very nice person. And I am rooting for him. I am. But yeah, he's got he's got to be on the field because you know he's going to have Cooper for competition. Mike Persons there. Eric Magnuson's there. There's guys that are going to push him out if if he can't play. Man, if if he does get cut and this doesn't work out, what an awful. I mean, that has gotta go down as one of the worst first round picks in Niners history because they traded back in the first round to get him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, that's just, just a disaster, just a disaster. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you got to hope this works out. Also, you know, Cooper's on a one year deal. So if he does win the competition, you still don't have really have a long-term answer at guard. There's a lot of reasons fans should be rooting for Garnett to win this job because then you have a long-term answer at guard too. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm pulling for the kid. I really am. But as yeah, as an
1: yeah. as an aside, I want to I want to point out the Trent Baalke picks picks uh, since since he took over at GM. So 2010, he picked Yupati and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is out of football. Well, he kind he kind of picked. Up. I, I still think McLuhan had the groundwork laid out. For it was it was his draft okay. board. So okay. we'll, we'll give it a, we'll give it. I'll we'll give, it, give, it I'll give you that. Okay. So Anthony Davis is out of football. Uh, 2011, Alden Smith out of football. 2012, yeah. AJ Jenkins out of football. 2013, Eric Reed out of football, not his fault, but right. out of football. 2014, Jimmy Ward on his way out. 2015, Eric Armstead on his way out. 2016, struck gold, struck gold with DeForest Buckner because he literally fell to them, and it was the yeah. only pick to make at that time. But then Josh Garnett, who is who is almost gone. So you only have one guy. Well, you potty as well. So one guy out of all of those guys that you picked for six years that is still on this team and contributing like heavily, like regularly. And that's why they've got only 16 players left from the Trent bulky era because they, the roster was just, was just a mess. And I think that what they're doing now, they're, they're fostering competition at every position. The the guard position is is a good one right there because they've got a bunch of guys that, you know, have kind of underperformed, but they're just like, you know what, we're going to, the best guy is going to win the job here. And I think that that bodes well for the rest of the team. Like I, and Tomlinson played much better after Jimmy Garoppolo became quarterback, because I Mm -hmm. I think that CJ Bethard just wasn't comfortable in the pocket. And and how could you expect him to be? He was just a rookie. And he, he took a lot of hits. He took a lot of unnecessary sacks and it made the offensive line look worse than it actually was. And once they got like an actual NFL, like ready quarterback in there and Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not to no disrespect to CJ, but there is, like you say, there's a big drop off, right? When you go from Garoppolo to CJ, Garoppolo was able to get rid of the ball quickly and account for the offensive line being poor, uh, or, or, you know, learning a new scheme. So I think that Lincoln Tomlinson is going to be okay at, at guard. I think that they'll put him next. He's, he's going to be on the left side next to Staley and the right guard. We'll see, we'll see what they do, man. I mean, it's, it's between Cooper Magnuson, um, Garnett is in there as well. Mike person is in there as well. Um, and we'll see who gets to play next to McGlinchey and, uh, like Cam said, Weston Richburg, you haven't heard much about him because he's been having a solid camp. So the offensive line will, I think, be a little bit better than people expect. But that right guard position still scares me. Yeah, we'll have to see with the O
2: line and left. We'll see, I still think, like I've been saying it since they drafted Munglin, he's going to have growing pains. He mm-hmm. just is. I like the point, Cami. Though, if you're not hearing about Richburg, is probably a good thing. <laughs> you yep. know, we probably don't want to hear about him at all. Mm-hmm. But we'll see about that guard spot too. You know, listen, if if that right guard is an issue and right tackle, you have a rookie. You better hope Jimmy's getting rid of the ball quickly. So we'll we'll definitely see what happens with that. But you brought up Jimmy Ward too and his hamstrings tight again now as well. Because mm-hmm. here's another guy, like again, can't stay on the field. And Ward's gonna be important for them this year. He is. I think he's if he's healthy, I think he will play meaningful snaps. And I, I really believe he could beat out Quan Williams if he's healthy in the slot. Mm-hmm. He could do that. But again, he's another guy that if can't stay on the field. What what are you gonna do? And yeah, these bulky picks and you even look at the players that aren't with the Niners when they leave the forty ers they they're either on the bubble with other teams in terms of rosters or they're out of football. Yeah, I mean these were yeah, yeah, I mean these were you know you look at Quentin Patton and I mean I could probably go on the list probably goes on and on. That horrendous two thousand and twelve draft. I don't think any of those guys are even in football anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is Joe Looney still playing anywhere? He might be, but other than that, n- none of those guys are. I mean, just bad pick after bad pick. You know, these receivers and everything else. Just he, he hit on Tart. Tart looks like a really good pick in Buckner.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, who else really? Yeah, I mean, Hyde I was Hyde was okay as well, but he just didn't fit the scheme anymore.
2: Yeah, Hyde's, Hyde's a good player, but again, if you take a running back that high. You, I mean, th- I think of like, and these guys got drafted later than Hyde did, but, you know, like a Kareem Hunt or an Alvin yeah. Kamara, you know, you want them to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Hyde never had that impact. Hyde's, Hyde's a pretty good player, mm-hmm. but he wasn't really an impact running back. I know a lot of fans think that he was really good. I, I never really saw it in him. Um, mm-hmm. A good player, sure, but below average pass catcher, a good runner, and, you know, he broke a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage and things like that, you know, it, Yard, his yards after contact were good after his first hit, you know, cause he was, the line was so bad, but he never really, you know, he had a lot of opportunities this season and his yards per touch were, you know, Brita had more
1: higher average on yards per touch than, than Hyde did this year. Yeah. Great blocker. At the end though. of the season. Great blocker. I mean, he learned from Frank Gore, right? So that's, that's one thing that he was really good at blocking. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I was always very lukewarm on Hyde. I thought, you know, he would kind of tease
2: in, have that big game. And then he'd sort of disappear. I remember the, um, Jim Tom Sula's year. He had the remember he had a huge Monday Night game mm-hmm. against the Vikings. You know this guy's about to break out. And then he got hurt after six games. But I don't even he didn't have another good game the rest of the season. You know, yeah, yeah. So you know I, I'm I am excited to see what McKinnon and, and Breed are going to do. See, I Cam said and listen, Cam knows more than I do, but he said that he thought McKinnon would get at least seventy five percent of the carries. I, I still think Breed is going to be involved more than people think in terms Mm -hmm. of running the ball. And maybe, maybe I'm living in a fantasy world with this, but I don't know. I just, I think we're just really good. And I just keep seeing what Shanahan did with, with Freeman and Coleman. And I can see sort of that, that type of split where Freeman would have, you know, 220 carries 210 and, and Coleman would have like 120, 130. So Uh, I I I can,
0: or
1: yeah, yeah, I could see that, that type of split. So yeah, Matt Brita, he, I don't know if you saw it, but he put uh, Ruben Foster in the blender. Like, I did absolutely <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not to say Foster is bad in coverage because we know he's, he's going to be an elite player, but Matt Breida, like the, the agility and the, the shiftiness that these running backs can show. It's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants out of, out of his running backs and Bobby Turner, who's the running backs coach, long time running backs coach. Uh, that's been with the Shanahan family. First Mike Shanahan and now Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he's, he's been able to coach up a lot of guys into thousand yard rushers that that we didn't really think like think of those old Denver Broncos teams. And I've said this before too. Like you've got Mike Anderson, Orlando's Gary, Peyton Hillis, Tatum bell. Clinton Portis was a, was a better player, but not a first round pick. Like all of these guys were, were coached by uh, Bobby Turner and it just shows a Terrell Davis, obviously. So it just shows you don't need a first round pick to, to be able to run this offense or this running, running game. So I think that, the, the, it's going to be an adjustment period for both of them, but when they really hit their stride and they can show off what they can do, it's really going to create a lot of mismatches. And I said this the, earlier this week on Twitter, Al, I said that the way that the 49ers are going to beat you is they're going to outscheme you. Even if you think you have more talent, the 49ers may not be the most talented team in the league, but you better be sure that they will be one of the most offensive, sound, offensively sound teams in this league. Like Kyle Shanahan to me is the, is the brightest play caller in, in the game. And now he's got some toys to play with and a little bit of talent to play with. So I think that you'll, you'll really see them maximize, especially McKinnon and Brita. They've had limited roles in their careers, but you'll see them start to maximize their potential. One thing I want to touch on too before we wrap this up, and it's
2: not Niner related, but the Raiders are a mess. (laughs) Don't they they just seem to you like the Raiders are going to be a mess? (laughs) This whole Khalil Mack thing. If they let that guy go, I mean, and you don't know you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe they're making every effort, and Max just not having it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like John Gruden. Maybe they'll come out and win twelve games and shut me up. But I feel like Gruden's got all these old guys on the team. Max not in camp. They had so much promise two years ago. The Raiders. Remember and everybody's loving Carr, and mm-hmm. it all looks good. And, and Cooper looks like he's going to be a big time receiver. And it kind of all kind of went to hell last year. And now I, I know people are excited about Gruden, but. <laughs> i don't know this could get entertaining
1: yeah there was a there was a i was listening to radio on the way home and the a talk show and there's this raiders fan who called in and he was ripping the 49ers he was like well why are you guys covering the 49ers all the time is on uh 95 95 7 uh which is the the raiders local affiliate here yeah. and he was like why are you guys covering the niners and Garoppolo all the time they're so overrated this and that and the host response was basically like when you guys were six and 10 and then went 12 and four, none of the Niners fans called in and were like, why are you covering the Raiders? Right? Like you cover who is, you cover who is hot. You cover who is up and coming. Like the Raiders right now, the hiring of Gruden 10 years. Like, I can't believe they did that, Like, that's the most Raiders thing ever.
0: That's the most like (laughs) Davis
1: family thing ever. Like, do you remember when they brought back art shell like several times? Yeah, like, it's like yeah. the same exact the same exact thinking from Al Davis to Mark Davis. The Raiders' and, desperation, yeah, exactly. They, they're desperate to put people in the seats. They're desperate to have this transition to Vegas. And frankly, I I, I care about them now because they're in the Bay Area and I love the Bay. But after they're gone, I don't give a crap about them because they're not no longer in the Bay Area anymore. Like, I mean, I, I know a lot of friends who are Raiders fans who are just like heartbroken by this because not only is the team leaving, but they're just making such dumb moves on the way out. Like they brought in Jordy Nelson, like an, an over-the-hill Jordy Nelson, and a soon-to-be suspended Martavis Bryant. They traded a third-round pick for Martavis Bryant, and he may be gone for the entire year on the suspension. Like I can't oh. believe they did that.
2: Yeah, so it's crazy.
1: They're doing all of these things. They let Michael Crabtree. They're, they're doing all of these things that just are contrary to like common sense. And they're a complete, complete dumpster fire. And and frankly, like I I could care less what they do after they go to Vegas, but. You know, like they were hoping to win one before they left, and now, like we don't, we don't even know if they'll make the playoffs. That division is is kind of rebuilding. That entire division, Um, San Diego is probably the best team in that in that division at right now. If they stay healthy, I, yeah, if they can stay healthy. But I mean, like really, like if they make the playoffs, it's it's just solely going to be the fact that they won a terrible division, right? And before we go out, I just want to I just want to address one thing. So, um. Everybody knows about the, the Redding fires and the fires around California that are going on right now. I, I was passing through Redding uh, just a few days ago, um, and we were driving down from the, the Pacific Northwest. Um, had some business up there to come down. And just driving through there, the smoke was so thick. Like you couldn't see like a mile in front of you. There was ash falling on the car, um, the entire sky was orange. And we're talking about like from Oregon into California, like six hours of it. And um to the people out there, you know, like if we have any people listening to us out there, like we hope that we can give you a little break from everything that's going on up there. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Um, please, everybody, donate to the Red Cross. Um, you know, there people need blood, people need um donations, they need all sorts of things, anything that you can give. Um, you know, it's all over, it's all over the internet where you can donate. So please, um, Niders fans, come together help your fellow humans out um, and, and let's just keep those people in our, in our thoughts and prayers. Definitely. Definitely.
2: All right. I want to say thank you to Cam Inman again for coming on the show. We, we always love talking to him about the 49ers you could follow him on Twitter at Cam Inman. You could follow me at Al Sacco 49 and Zane at Zane 49ers and download our podcast on iTunes. And please leave us a, a review, a good review. Don't leave us a bad review, <laughs> um, but leave, leave us a review. Let us know how you think we're doing. Um, and we're also on SoundCloud. We're on Google Play and dot com as well. So buy a t shirt. Yo, yeah, please, too. Anybody, somebody. <laughs> buy a t shirt. <laughs> just, just buy one, man. Buy yeah. it for somebody else. You don't have to wear it, but use it as a rag. I don't know, but, but buy one. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, for Zane, this is Al. Thanks, everybody. See ya.